Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you have been and who you become, and that it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. I'm your host, Dave Jorner, and each week I will bring you the best guests, tips, and messages to inspire and help you and me do life even better. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's get started. Hello everyone and thank you for joining me again today. Can you believe that we're getting so close now to episode number 50? And uh, to help us celebrate that, what's going to happen is we're going to have a competition um, and uh, we'd love for you to be part of it. And if you'd like to, please be on our Instagram pages. That's at Do Life Better Podcast and at Dave Jorna. That's J-O-R-N-A. Make sure you are on our Instagram pages so you can be kept up to date and be part of the competition that we're going to have to celebrate our 50th episode. Now, for today's episode, uh, do you sometimes find yourself wishing that you had a bigger platform or a larger following or the extra credibility so that you can make a bigger difference to more people? Yeah, well, me too. The way we turn major celebrities and social media stars into superheroes means that we tend to overlook and even downplay the difference we can make right here and right now. Not only that, but we also miss the incredible acts of everyday heroes in our lives. The ordinary people who make a difference, who inspire, who show tremendous acts of selflessness and courage. Today's guest, Dan Stanford, the author of Lose the Cape, Embrace Ordinary, shares some powerful stories and insights on how to create, discover and celebrate everyday heroic acts. This chat with Dan gave me the inspiration and tips that I needed to stop and embrace the everyday moments of heroism whether it be seeing even more acts of kindness or selflessness and love within my family or having even greater appreciation for the work, passion and dedication of my team and also noticing so much more positivity, bravery and compassion in the people I encounter each day. Again, I know this conversation was quite powerful for me and I trust it will be for you too. So I hope you enjoy this chat with Dan Stanford. Hi, Dan. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Do Life Better podcast. Oh, such a privilege to be on. Thank you. Thank you. And I felt a connection with you um, when I did some research. And one of the things I learned really quickly was that your son, when he was four, wanted to be Batman, yeah? And, And not just dress up, but literally deeply wanted to actually be Batman himself. When my eldest son was four, he used to talk about how he wanted to be a doctor or Batman, yeah, so I love how there's that connection, that four-year-old want there to be about to be Batman, um, and you, know, you are quite interested in this idea of superheroes and the ordinary people as well making a big difference. And you know, where did that come from for you? Yeah, yeah, I uh, love the story about your son uh, wanting to be Batman. Um, I'd love to say that my son outgrew it. Um, <laughs> he's, he's actually a teenager now, and uh, he jumped off our garage recently. Oh, wow. And um, and and when I asked him why, uh, he said, "Well, I want to be like my hero." And uh, and I said, "Well, you know, obviously he must be talking about me because I'm his dad." And he said, "No, no, no, I, I want to be like Batman." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, you realize Batman's like a billionaire, so he can afford the medical." bills you know <laughs> that's right <laughs> dad's a, a pastor so he's a hundred heir so i can't afford the medical bills so let's not jump off the garage anymore and uh <laughs> and so to answer your question um i think there's something within human nature that longs to be more uh we we, we have this tension between our performance and our uh 
uh, our potential and we always feel like you know I, I could be more and if I was more I'd be able to accomplish more and uh, in fact you know when I was a kid I'd run around with like a, a cape around my neck and pretend to be the superhero and uh, I eventually stopped because my wife said it wasn't that cute and um, you know it's it's one of those things where um, <laughs> where I think we struggle with feeling insecure feeling insignificant and I think we resonate with superheroes and feel like man if I just had their power if i just had their ability uh i would be able to do something in this world yeah i like that um what you just mentioned about we, we have this want this need to be something more to be something mm -hmm. greater and it's only by being more by being greater that we can make a big difference in the world and by doing that like we miss so many opportunities don't we oh for sure yeah, when we focus on the powers we don't have, uh, we overlook the powers we do have, and, and we don't recognize, you know, what we've already got in our own util utility belt, so to speak. I almost did air quotes, but no one's gonna be able to see that. Um, <laughs> yeah. so they probably oh, felt it, maybe. They, they felt it. <laughs> That's uh, right. But, you know, we we do. We have so much more to offer than we realize. I, I think it's interesting that the first comic book superhero, uh, 1938 Superman. You know, he comes out in mm -hmm. 1938 and, uh, I mean, looks good for being 80 years old and uh, been around for a long time. But what's interesting to me is the context in which he came out and that, you know, here in the States, it was the Great Depression. We just got done with World War One. We were just about to enter into World War Two. And so people were feeling very vulnerable, feeling very insignificant and feel like, man, if only I could have those godlike powers where bullets bounce off my chest and I can take out Nazis with one punch, then I too could save the day. And, uh, and kids would just eat those comics up and even soldiers. Um, and so we see that that appeal still has been echoing on for 80 years, which uh, says something about uh, kind of that collective cultural consciousness. Well, wow. so for some people, it might provide a little bit of inspiration to keep on moving and making a difference. But you're saying for other people, it creates a deeper sense of insecurity. Yeah. I can't make yeah. a difference because I'm not like that. I'm not a superhero. I haven't got the superpowers. Uh, and because of that, I feel more insecure. I'm full of more self-doubt. My confidence goes down. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my uh, one of my kids was uh, very broken hearted um, when he. So I, for those who can't see me, I'm built a little bit like where's Waldo. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very <laughs> thin guy. Uh, I've never been real big. Like yeah, if yeah. you had the before, before and after pictures, I'd be the before guy. Yeah, and, uh, and, and my kids have inherited the same genetics. And so, you know, one of them came to me and he says, you know, dad, could I could I ever be, you know, built like the rock? you know, Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I said, well, you're an ectomorph. And, and so you're probably going to be built more like Spider-Man than like the Hulk. Uh, but but Spider-Man's super agile. And then, you know, and and uh, he didn't like that answer. You know, it's like he, you feel like, you know, if I could only be bigger, if I could only be wealthier, if I could only be smarter. And so I, I do. I think sometimes it backfires. Sometimes it's inspiring. Uh, but I think also sometimes it's crippling. Mm, absolutely. So then if we're not to chase after that superhero idealism, that, 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 that whole thing of I, I need to be superhero so I can make a difference, if we're not to look at that, what should we be doing? What could we do instead? Sure, sure. Uh, one of my favorite quotes comes from uh, a, a historical guy named D.L. Moody. And uh, he says, many people want to do something great for God, but how many of us are willing to do the small things? And what I love about that is there is, there, there's that desire to do something 
monumental, something epic, something um, YouTube worthy that gets you know lots of uh, hits. Um, but it's in the small acts that I find that the, the biggest things are accomplished uh, over a period of time. And uh, and so I, I think that we need to celebrate ordinary more. Um, that's become kind of a derogatory term. Um, like my kids wouldn't be happy if I came to them and said, "You guys are the most ordinary people I've ever met." <laughs> or if I was like, "Hey, we should go to the movies and watch Ordinary Boy, the most mediocre guy," they'd be like, "I don't want to see that, Dad. That's a waste of money." And um, but you know, one of the things that just really got me uh, thinking in this direction is um, there's a there's an interesting uh, verse. I'm, I'm a pastor, so uh, I, I was reading through Acts, and it's like the first 30 years of church history. You know, so like ground zero. And um, there's a verse in Acts 4:13 that says that the original followers of Jesus were ordinary people but they had been with Jesus, you know? And so they were able to make this huge impact on the first century as far as helping the poor and turning around and, and making a tangible difference in, in like helping the sick. And, you know, oftentimes in, at that time, if a person was ill, they would often be abandoned by family and friends and put out on the street and the church would come along and, and take them in. And it was those types of things that really grabbed the world's attention. You know, at that time, it wasn't, the church wasn't known for what they were against. The church was known for what they were for. And, and how attractive would that be uh, if we could get back to that? And, um, and, and so it was those kind of ideas that really started getting me thinking this direction of, you know, ordinary is actually really powerful, um, but has been neglected. Yeah. And what are some more examples of the, the power of the ordinary in the everyday life? Like how, how do you see it in, in your family or your life and, and those around you? Sure. Uh, an example I like to share is, um, so my wife, uh, she has uh, retinitis pigmentosa with Usher syndrome. Uh, hard phrase to say, harder mm. phrase to live with. Uh, it means that she's losing her eyesight and her hearing. Uh, oh, so wow. she's losing two of, of her senses and, uh, and it can be 12% a year. I mean, so, you mm. know, it, it's a, a very um, awful, awful disease. And, um, and so she wakes up every morning with every excuse to be served. You know, I mean, she could just lay around and let everyone come to her and, and she would have that right. And yet she gets up every morning and she looks for ways to tangibly make a difference in other people's lives. In fact, her favorite phrase is choose joy. You know, for her, joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is based on choice. She, she's going to choose to make the most out of every day. And it's contagious. You know, when people see that, hey, you have every reason to complain. Here, I'm complaining because the barista gave me a decaf rather than caffeinated coffee. Uh, but you're losing your eyesight and your hearing and you're choosing to celebrate and to look for the positive of things in life. And, um, in fact, I, I just off the cuff was thinking about, um, there's a gentleman, uh, I was watching an interview with him. He has no arms or legs. And, uh, one of his quotes was, is, is if you don't get a miracle for yourself, be a miracle for somebody else. And, nice. um, and, and, and that's what my wife does she's just, she's a miracle for other people. And, uh, and I'm, I mean, I could share a lot of tangible stories about her and that, but that's not what we're here for. Uh, but just to answer your question, um, I think that everyday heroism is, you know, the, the little old lady who's like on a fixed income, but she still chooses to help out like with a food pantry. You know, it, it's the dad who struggles with anxiety, but rather than allowing his fear to cripple him, he chooses to take his kids to the park because he's more concerned about their fun than his fear. You know, it's the people who are willing to, to make those sacrifices and, and 
Yeah, it's often the, the seemingly insignificant that I think makes the biggest differences. Mm, absolutely. And it's, it, it's kind of two ways, isn't it? It's our ability to spot the moments when we can make a difference in the everyday. Mm -hmm. And then it's the, well, it's three ways, maybe. First one is us seeing what we can do. Second one is the person receiving it, acknowledging it for what it is, mm -hmm. acknowledging it for the strength and the power of what it is. And then there's a third way, which is us witnessing somebody else. Yeah. So us watching someone else, um, you know, just that story of, well, the dad at the playground with, with the son, with the children, and to maybe mm -hmm. think, well, there's actually something else going on behind the story here that we're not seeing. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe we just overlook it? Maybe we're not aware of it? Yeah, I think so much really boils down to perspective, mm -hmm. um, not seeing people the way that, I mean, how you see people determines how you treat people, you know? So if I walk into a coffee house and, and all I see is a barista who's basically a cog in a wheel who exists to give me my caffeine so I can get through my day, I treat that person like an object. But if I see that person as a human being, someone with hopes mm. and dreams and fears, I begin to treat that person differently, and therefore I do more heroic acts. You know, in fact, the other day, do you guys have Starbucks? Yes. Yep. Okay. I was dri I was driving through Starbucks the other day, just you know, picking up tea, coffee, whatever, and the person in front of me bought my drinks for oh, me. Wow. Uh, don't know the person. I don't know that I'll ever meet the person. But such a small thing. Matt put a huge smile on my face, and but even impressed the the barista who was you know um, taking the order um, and you know talking about you know it's so cool that that person that they, you know because she's asked me do they know you and I'm like no I don't know that person and uh, so like you said there's that kind of three way um, thing that's happening that ripple effect that it's it's helping me. That's some of the person that give because let's face it, being generous makes you feel good. Mm. Uh, but then also the barista who watched that unfold, it did something for her as well. Absolutely. And then if the barista might be inspired to do something similar later on. You might have been inspired later that day. You know, your yeah. little acts yeah. later Pay that day. Forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me about some of the best comedians, I think. Um, yeah. You know, like this, this situational um, comedies and so on where they see the golden nuggets in the everyday and mm -hmm. they make it into a, quite a funny story or quite a funny situation. And they can do that because they look at the at the world differently. They have a very different perspective. They're really aware of funny things that are happening or why do we do this? They kind of question things a lot. They, they look deeper. They look under the surface to see what's really going on. And mm -hmm. so what I'm picking up is that you're saying something very similar that we need to be able to do that. We need to mm -hmm. be able to look under the surface and not just see someone as the cogs in the wheel making the coffees but look deeper under the surface. What's this person's story? How can I serve them? How can I make a difference for them? Yeah? Yeah. And I, yeah. I imagine that takes a lot of practice to be able to oh, absolutely. walk around more open like that. Yeah. Well, it, it takes so much conscious effort because, it. I mean, let's face it. We live in a world of just hurry sickness. I mean, we're constantly moving from task A to task B, but we're thinking about task D. Uh, the word multitasking didn't even exist until, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and now it's just become common language. You ask someone, you know, how are you? Busy is, is the number word word. And so if you're moving at that kind of hydroplane speed and you're just kind of buzzing through life, 
it's hard to take the time to really look at your situation, look at the people around you the, the way that you should, but it's a muscle. You know, if you will begin to tangibly exercise that, it'll start becoming more reflexive. It'll become something that becomes more natural for you, more organic to see those people that way. Mm, absolutely. And and that um, reminds me of something in your book as well about availability is more important than ability. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a story I like to share, there's a, uh, an old story, you know, in the Bible, uh, God comes to a guy named Moses and says, you know, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, it's a stick. Now, if he would have came to my wife, he would have, she would have said a purse. And in that purse, there would have been a tons of things for, you know, to God choose from. But with Moses, he gets a stick. And it doesn't sound very exciting. Uh, but in that story, we see, you know, that God takes that stick and we see the, the Red Sea parted. We see water coming out of a rock. We see the impossible becoming inevitable. And, and I think that oftentimes, you know, if we would look down at, at what we have, we would realize that, you know, what we see as a stick is actually so much more valuable uh, when we begin to use it for the betterment of mankind. You know, and so when I, I look around my home, when I look around, you know, my life, uh, I see that there are, are things. So to answer your question specifically, uh, I think there's often times where we feel like if, if I had the talent of that celebrity or if I had the talent of that person in, you know, the, the quote unquote top 2%, right. then I too could be making a difference. And we fail to realize that availability, just saying, hey, I'm willing to use whatever I have, whoever I am starting right now makes the biggest difference in the world. In fact, there, there is a phenomenon where if a group of people are all on the beach and one person's drowning, that oftentimes everyone's going to just stand there because they expect someone else to be the one to jump out there and to do it. And, you know, and the whole time the person's out there is like, hey, I'll take anybody. <laughs> you know, mm, anybody right. who's willing to come out here and do it. I don't care if you're an Olympic swimmer. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. care if you know CPR. Just somebody come out here. And, and, and the world is desperate for someone to just say, you know what? I'm willing to just jump in and I might doggy paddle, but I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get that person back to shore. So how do we become better at seeing the difference that we can make? How do we get better at seeing, um, firstly, finding our gifts, finding the things that separate us from other, it's not even really separating us from other people, is it? It's about how do, how do we see what, what is available to us in terms of what I have to offer? You spoke before mm -hmm. about you know, um, being more open to opportunities, which is incredibly important. And then the second one is, well, knowing there's an opportunity, what can I give? I, I can doggy paddle, that's enough. <laughs> Mm -hmm. How do we get a deeper understanding of what can I give? Sure. Uh, I think that there has to be some, some introspection, um, you know, like, like the old saying, know thyself. Um, but I think even more importantly, we have to start celebrating who we are. You know, I think too many of us, like we were saying at, at the beginning of the interview, are, really do feel insecure, feel insignificant. You know, like I, I said, I was always the skinny kid you know, growing up and, and, and that's not something celebrated, you know, typically that means that you're the, the last person picked to be on the sports team or if, if picked at all. And, and that can start creating this sense of being uh, unvaluable. Um, but it's only when you start realizing that, you know, I shouldn't be allowing other people to dictate my value. 
um, that that is something that is is intrinsic. That is something that that I have to take ownership for. That that I am made the way I am for a reason. You know, God doesn't make accidents. I am made the way I am for a reason, and and I have abilities within me that this world needs, and I need to start celebrating those things. And 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 uh, and and it takes some experimenting. You know, it takes some trial and error, being willing to fail a, a couple times, and really, oh, you know what? Maybe stage acting isn't my thing, uh, but maybe I could be the person who's behind the scenes, who's holding the light so that it, it shines on that actor, because that's really important important. And, uh, and so having the humility, um, to embrace whatever that might be and, and using that. Thank you. And sometimes it, we don't take action because we feel I haven't got the courage. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to, I want to pay for the coffee for the person behind me, but you know, what if, what if I embarrass myself? What if, what if they think I'm strange for doing this? Or, you know, I want to go and, and, and talk to the person who's serving me but and ask them how their day is going, but I feel shy, I feel nervous. And, you know, again, what if I say the wrong thing? What if they laugh at me? Do you think sometimes we wait until we feel that we have the courage to take the action that we know we really could be taking? Mm-hmm. I think fear is extremely crippling. Um, I have a terrible fear of heights. I don't like anything above six foot one, which is how tall I am. Um, <laughs> and yet, I've gotten on airplanes. I flew to Ireland to help out uh, with a mission uh, organization over there, um, which means being 30,000 feet in the air for seven hours. Um, you know, and, and so courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is being willing to do it in spite of the fear. And I think we have to come to a point in life where we become somewhat comfortable with our fear, realizing that, you know what, nervousness, fear, that's something that we're going to wrestle with throughout our life. You know, and for all of us, it's different things. You know, a lot of people heights isn't going to be it for them, but whatever it is, you know, maybe it is, it's talking to that person behind them or, or being willing to, you know, to, to pay. Um, and I think we have to learn to act in spite of our fear, you know, and say, you know what, fear is okay, but I'm not going to let it dictate my life. In fact, I, I heard a great question one time uh, from a book, I think it's called who moved my cheese. And the, the question was, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm. How would you live if you weren't afraid? And that is such a powerful question. You know, just kind of let that, you know, just kind of mull around in, in your mind of like, how differently would my life be if fear wasn't my, what was guiding me? Uh, but rather, I would let my passion guide me or my conviction guide me or, or my vision guide me. Nice one. And with that, you talk about also courage is contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we watch other people. I'm guessing so, um, you know, in your book, you might be talking about when we watch people be courageous, we build up in um, confidence and courage ourselves. And then when we use an act of courage, maybe that helps other people too. Um, uh, yeah, please tell me more about courage being courageous. Oh, sorry, <laughs> courage being contagious. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the stories I share is uh, I have a buddy of mine who has MS, multiple sclerosis. 
And, uh, and, and so he has a, a lot of challenges that he deals with where, um, he can start losing like, uh, his eyesight in, in one of his eyes or like he, he'll start going numb from like the waist down. And, um, we ran what's called a tough mutter together, mm-hmm. uh, tough mutter, 12 miles, military obstacles, electrocution, ice, you name it. Wow. And, uh, and, and he was determined that he was going to cross the finish line, no help. Um, and so we did a lot of training. We had a large team. We get out there. And, uh, and he was at the front of the pack like the whole time. If there was electricity, he was the first guy jumping into it. You know, if there was a big old bat of, of ice water, first guy in. And, uh, and there's this one obstacle that is um, – it's like a huge half pipe. It's covered in mud and water, and it's just really hard to to get up. And uh, and once again, you know, one of the first people just running, getting out there. So one of my favorite pictures I have is is we're up there and we're holding his his hand as he's climbing up over the top of this half pipe. And um, he was such an inspiration. You know, here's this guy. He can't even feel his legs, you know, he can't see out of one eye and yet he's setting the pace. He's being courageous and you can't help but be inspired by that. You know, I'm getting like a, like a little leg cramp where my, my legs going from like grape to raisin, grape to raisin. And it'd be easy to start complaining, like, Oh no, I can't go on, you know, cause my legs cramping up. But then I'm like looking at him. I was like, I can't let him finish and I not finish. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I think it's one of the reasons why we're drawn actually to a lot of like the superhero movies and you know, while we're drawn to uh, a lot of those uh, narratives is because we see them acting courageously and that theme music comes on and we're eating our popcorn and we're leaning in and we're like, man, I want to do that too. You know? And, uh, and so when we get to be the one who acts courageously, you have no idea what's on the other side of that act and who might be inspired by it and the ripple effect that might take place. It's so much larger than your one movement, your one act. There are people who are watching and will be inspired. Absolutely. The person who paid for your coffee at Starbucks, they have no idea how many people you've been talking to about this and on this podcast right now and and the difference is made for you as well. And again, that person will never, ever know the full gravity of the impact it's had on you. And our listeners and others as well. So one small act of courage, as you said, has a massive ripple effect for other people. But then also for you, doesn't it? It just builds up your own courage time and time again. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's almost like you start creating this kind of like resume of those like acts so that every time then you face something scary, you can kind of look back at that and be like, yeah, but I overcame this or this person overcame that. so, So I have the fuel to do this. Absolutely, you know, to be able to remind yourself of what you have achieved, yeah, the difference you've made. Thank you. Before our final two questions, uh, I, I feel like we're just touching the surface here. <laughs> but before our <laughs> final two questions, is there anything else I haven't asked you? Anything else that might really help our listeners? Uh, no, I feel like we're, we've covered some some good ground. I mean, I'm I'm passionate about this subject, and so I mean, I can go on and on and on. Um, but I think bottom line for me is I want the listeners to know that you're valuable, that you're important, 
don't undersell yourself. You know, don't let the bully dictate how you feel about yourself. Don't maybe you came from a rough family and your family didn't have a, a lot of um uh didn't see you as being valuable. Um don't let that dictate your life. You know, you have something to contribute that's unique. There's no one like you. There's no one like you and uh, and in in this world will be robbed if you don't act courageously, if you don't step out and start utilizing who you are and what you have. Such a powerful message. Thank you. Just that idea that, and one of the things that we talk about is just like your fingerprints. Uh, Your fingerprints leave a mark on the world that only you can. Yeah. Just like, as you're saying, that unique blend of gifts, hopes, dreams, and abilities, and and the fact that you're here for a purpose, not by mistake, but by design. Mm -hmm because yeah. the world needs what you have to offer. Um, thank you. That's such a powerful message. Uh, Definitely. If our listeners would like to get in contact with you, would like to follow you on social media, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, my uh, website is danstanford.net, and then from there you can find the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, so that would be a good hub to go to, danstanford.net. Thanks, and we'll have that in our show notes as well. Cool. So. Awesome. One of the things I like to ask all of our guests because of their varied backgrounds and expertise and so on is what does Do Life Better mean to them? So obviously this being the Do Life Better podcast, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great knowing from each guest what does the idea of Do Life Better mean? So what's it mean for you? Yeah, for me it means be a lifelong learner. Never feel like you have arrived. In fact, I have a, a friend of mine. He wears a backpack everywhere he goes, and it is purely symbolic to say I am constantly a student. Uh, me personally, I was a high school dropout. Um, I had to go get my GED, but then I went from my GED to my bachelor's degree to a master's degree, and I'm a constant bookaholic. Uh, I read over 100 books last year. Mm. Um, I, I think that that leaders are readers. And if you're going to continue to excel uh, as a human being, because we're not just human beings, we're human becomings, that you have to keep learning. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. Human becomings, not human beings. I like that. Yeah. Uh, And (laughs) so, as you know, we finish each episode with a challenge for the week. One thing that our listeners can work on, and me as well, I use these as well, and it really helps me. So what's one thing that we can do this week as the challenge? Yeah, uh, I think that that multitasking is not a superpower. Being fully present is, and I mean, you just look at like a, a common family setting anymore. It, it used to be, you know, family would gather around the table. Uh, now we all sit in our living room, and and you know, the kids on the tablet, and dad's on the phone, and you know, someone else is on the TV, and the computer's on the lap, and and so you're side by side, but you're not fully present. Um, my challenge would be take a day and make it a no media day. And if that's too big, take an hour, (laughs) take an hour, a no media hour where the cell phones go away, where the laptop gets shut and just be fully present with somebody, look them in the eye, have a conversation that's face to face. And I think it'll make a big difference in a person's, um, not only their rhythm, but their ability to see people for who they really are. Well, wow, thank you. And by doing so, being more available. Yeah, absolutely. For the people around you and for yourself. 
Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, with that, I do want to thank you for your time with us today. You know, thank you for the work that you are doing in highlighting the incredible value and importance of these small everyday actions um, yeah. that, that we can do ourselves um, and for us to be more aware of the actions other people are making in the small everyday moments. Um, again, so that we can be more grateful for those little acts of heroism um, that other people do and so that we can grow in our own courage to do that as well because, you know, it's such a powerful message. If we always just look for the superheroes, then we'll be full of doubt and uncertainty and insecurity. But if we take their courage and use it ourselves and see what difference we can make in the everyday, it's such a powerful message. So, Dan, thank you for the work that you're doing with people out there. Um, it, your, your message really resonates uh, strongly with me, you know, about the you're here on purpose and, and to make a difference in this world. So, Dan, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate being on and I appreciate what you're doing and getting that message out to people. Thanks, Dan. Thank you very much. So there you have it, everyone. And please do remember Dan's challenge, which is go 24 hours or at least one hour without devices uh, so that you can be even more present in the lives of people around you. And I would love to know how that goes for you. So uh, please take a screenshot of this episode. Tag me at Dave Jorner or at Do Love Better Podcast. Um, tag me in the photo and also include Dan Stanford at the Dan Stanford. Tag him on Instagram as well. Let us know how that 24 hours or that one hour, how that goes for you and, and um, the difference it makes for your relationship with the people around you. So again, please do share this with your family and friends uh, tag us in um, connect with me on instagram and social media i'd love to hear the differences these podcasts are making for you and uh, i can't wait to join you again next time thanks again for listening to the do life better podcast and have you subscribed yet by subscribing to this podcast that enables you to get notifications every single time a new episode is released in your podcast app you can find all the show notes for every episode and if you'd like to get in contact you can do so via email at hello at projecthatch.com.au that's hello at projecthatch.com.au please remember to subscribe to the podcast share it with someone you think would benefit from these messages and now it's time to get out there and do life better.